means, ladies and gentlemen, would you please check your ideas and opinions at the door? How would you describe <laughs> it? What is consciousness? So, ripples in the structure of the universe. Is consciousness out there or is consciousness in here? I think consciousness is more like music than computation. When we make music, we don't do it in order to reach a certain point, such as the end of the composition. The band begins to play, the symphony begins, and you hear music, whether it's Beethoven or the Beatles, or probably a better analogy would be like a jam session, improv, that sort of thing, jazz or just jamming. Space, which nobody can define, nobody can imagine, appears to be nothing. Foundation of the universe. Hey everybody, how you doing? Hey, what's up there? I love this song. Hey, Shut up, I love this song. Just jamming. Ooh yeah. Shut up, Lou. I wanna jam it with you. What am I? Yeah. I'm jamming. Just jamming. Jamming. Just jamming. And I hope you like jamming too. <laughs> Is our consciousness part of this electron field, or is it something else? Then reality would seem to be made up of the incredibly complex overlapping interactions between quantumized bundles of these different fields. And that's all that anything is. Jamming. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. You want someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. You want religion, do you? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 824 Creating a Healthy Post-Mormon Perspective, Part 1. And today I sit down once again with Ren, who put together that intro on consciousness that you just heard. And now for those of you who are not aware, Ren is our friendly neighborhood transgender ex-Mormon with a PhD in physics who I deeply care for and respect. I first met Ren over a year, maybe a year and a half ago, when I created a small study group. And I just love the way that Ren's mind works, the way that she questions and challenges. And we scheduled this conversation because I wanted to talk about the Arcturian Playground, this podcast that I created a few months ago where I assume the fictional characteristics of an advanced alien race who's observing the Earth. And then I say to myself things that I think that they would say to me if they were really saying anything to me at all. And I took this approach to try to look at the way that Mormonism has imprinted on my brain, on my mind. I did like a seven, 
series episode. And, I, and anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about for today's episode with Ren. But we quickly went into other areas about perception and consciousness and life in general. And we just followed the conversation wherever it went. And today you're going to hear part one of that conversation. Now, I, I love conversations like these. And if you love them too, and you'd like to schedule the time to talk with me, please reach out at infantsonthrones at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now, without any further ado, hang on your hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. I'm feeling weird today. How have you been feeling, Ren? Uh, I've been feeling uh, pretty good, actually. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So how do you want to do this Why have you been tonight, feeling Ren? weird? Tell me about Why have I been feeling weird? Days. I yeah. don't know. It's just one of those weird days where I just didn't feel like I wanted to do anything. So I've just been like laying around doing nothing. And because I knew we were doing this tonight, I went back and re-listened to all of those like Mormon Octarian. I listened to all of them today. Like Ooh. I barely squeezed it in in the last minute. I forgot how long some of them were. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It it just kind of it, it's kind of a weird day. Mm. That yeah, that would make it a weird day to listen to all of those. Yeah, back to back to back <laughs> back to back, to back, to back, to back seven times. Yeah, how many how many times do you got to get the message that we're all one? Huh? How many? Did times? you get it? Did it sit? Did it <laughs> did it sink in yet? Yeah, that's a the that's a thing with like I don't know. I haven't listened to like a ton. Like I've listened to the. Uh, margin or more margin origins yeah <laughs> mormon origin story uh from the arcturians and you know i've listened to some that cry on thing you sent and the uh, um wendy kennedy and some stuff from kimber and stuff and um i don't know uh there's a lot of preamble you know like a lot of like expectation setting in a lot of the channeling what do you mean by that well especially in the in the uh, mormon origins thing there's a lot of like okay i'm gonna be doing this channeling and when i say channeling this is what i'm talking about right and i know you're probably thinking this but it's not that it's actually this and and the reason it's this is because like and like there's a lot like it's it's like I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes before we get to Joseph Smith. <laughs> it's true. It, and it's weird because like, I, and especially when I was doing it back then, I felt like it more than the way that I do it now. You, you know, like a windmill, like, like the little pinwheels that kind of start at the beginning and they just kind of spin outward. Like, I feel like, yeah. like I, if you went back and thematically looked at the different, like tangents or whatever, like what you're talking about with preambles, I feel like it would make like a pinwheel effect. Like it kind of goes out and it makes yeah. a left-hand turn and it spins back and then it goes back to the center and then it goes and then it starts going back again and then it goes back to the center. It's yeah. this weird thing that I started recognizing it, but I, yeah. It is a little bit like hypnotic, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's not to like, okay, I'm going to be talking about this stuff, Glenn, as if, you were not the author <laughs> and I hope you don't mind. No, please um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I feel like that that is a common, uh, like, uh, uh, in ritual in mm -hmm. like religion, uh, this repetitive 
kind of storytelling and yeah. repetitive like lecturing um it, it when you're sitting in like sacrament meeting and you're hearing the same like phrases and like cultural like ways of saying things they kind of like pull you into this like mindset i want to say like a numbing mindset mm. but i don't know if that's the right word um but where you know you kind of you kind of stop listening to what's being said and you you i don't know you become a little bit more suggestible you know mm. like i feel like have you ever watched the tv show the mentalist no oh well feels like a mentalist technique okay he pretends to be a psychic to solve crimes oh but that's he's not psych yeah it's like psych it's <laughs> but it's not a comedy mm. yeah exactly psych's good like it psych. is it is but yeah so the kind of like talk about you know this kind of repetitive talk about what channeling is and you know uh what truth is and what um it, it put me in that mood that kind of mm. like just kind of uh, okay <laughs> kind of mood um but it did feel a lot like trying to cut people off at the pass right like i think you know like i can sense like if i was the arcturians they're saying stuff like i can sense that you're feeling this way about um what uh what, what we're talking about and before you start thinking too much about that let me cut it off and explain that actually it's it's something else um but i think that that makes sense if it's like you know, where you're communicating with yourself. Right. Cause it's all me. Yeah. It's all me yeah. talking to me. And it, it's, it's like trying to, um, yeah. Like heading, heading him off at the past. I like that, you know, like kind of, kind of preemptively, uh, addressing any resistance that might come up. Like mm -hmm. when I listen to channelers and when I have issues with it, it's because they're asking me to believe in what they're saying, more completely than I'm willing to. Does that make sense? You know, like I, yeah. like I, I, I would much rather have a channel or, or, or anybody really what like anybody who is uh, putting forth any kind of expert opinion to say, you know, here's, here's, here's what I think that I know I could be wrong with it, but here we go. And just to give that little bit of an asterisk or a caveat to it. And so I probably overdo it, but it, it's just my, because that's so important to me to make sure that it doesn't ever get misunderstood of what it is that I'm doing. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like that, 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 I don't know. I don't think you should, I, <laughs> I don't, if you're going to go for it, go for it. You know, if, uh, if you get misunderstood, then you get misunderstood. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm just like working through my shit. Mm. That's it. Yeah. So the shit specifically around like the the main characters of the history of Mormonism. Yeah. Like this is an interesting point. Um, and I guess kind of the meat of probably what I was taking away from it. Um, the thing that I liked as I was listening back to it is that I did keep making the point this isn't don't don't confuse this of thinking that i'm really saying this is who these people were and this is what this history was mm -hmm. like be, be really clear this is how 
I see it. This is what I think and feel about it. I, I think that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Why again, is that I think that's an Well, I think that's an important distinction in everyday conversation because I, I, I've, I've gotten so, I don't even know how to say this, Ren. Like mm-hmm. I'll, so I, I was hanging out with my brother and sister yesterday and my brother lives up in Seattle. I don't see him that often. And so it was kind of a treat to have him down here over at my sister's, but I, we're so different, you know, like, even though we, we grew up together, like our lives are so different. And I was noticing that as they're communicating, the way they're communicating is very different from the way that I communicate now. And a lot of it, uh, it's almost like people start getting into arguments. Like, like if you're talking about a TV show or, you know, like something and you're like, here's what I experienced and you say that to somebody else they're like "Uh, uh, uh-uh it's this like well wait 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 let time out like i can say what i experienced you can say what you experienced they might be very different experiences and they might be absolutely correct this is what i experienced this is what you experienced and and it becomes this like debate and this argument between people it's like what i and I, i i've just gotten tired of doing that so i like i and it's funny i mean especially with infants on thrones as i've been going back and doing all the listening to these old episodes in the reflection stuff and i hear myself mm-hmm. doing it like mm-hmm. just arguing with people or in, instead of like listening to something that somebody said and really kind of sitting with it for a moment i have to go to my th- well there this is how i see it this is how i see it so i i've just gotten to a point now where i think it's important to caveat, this is what I'm, this is my perspective. I'm not trying to convince anybody else with it. Like I'll share with you the way that I see things. I'm not trying to shove it down anybody's throat and I don't want to argue with anybody about it. And so I, that's why I I think it's always important to kind of frame things as, as perspective and to have a little bit of that humility to be open to other perspectives and also recognizing I'm going to change when I get more information. Yeah, I see your point. It does create a kind of mood um, that isn't as exciting. <laughs> yeah, when, when you're not arguing with people, it's more when fun you're not to argue. Arguing, yeah, yeah, it's much more fun to argue. You know, let's have a de- let's let's debate this, hash it out. You know, right. Um, and it's uh, I don't know. I listened to this podcast called because uh, you the like Wild. wrestling. Oh, I love wrestling. Yes, they're always like, yeah, because because it wouldn't be very good wrestling if they're like, oh, show me your move. Oh, that's a cool move. Let, let me right. show you my move. Oh, <laughs> exactly. cool. I really like that move. <laughs> <laughs> no, there has to be. It's just show and tell now. Everything is show and tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Show and tell and accept. Yeah. Um, what are you drinking out of that copper mug? Oh, just like I, uh, some, uh, Boston lager. Okay. Thing. Mm-hmm. Right. What was I going to say? And so I was listening to this podcast called, uh, for the wild. Mm. And, uh, it is a very, uh, kind of mood like that. It's a very accepting kind of, this is everybody's perspective mood. Uh, but I don't know. I, like there's a real 
physical world that we're in right there's a there's a it's not all just perspective right there's wait 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 yes you're right it is a real physical world that we're in but come on it is isn't it all like how do you then say but it isn't all perspective what do you mean by that that like there are you can't control everything through perspective I don't know. Now I'm feeling like I want to argue. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is a real physical world out there, but the only, what do you mean when you say perspective? Like what, let's define the term here. Perspective. Um, So I guess I'm thinking about, you know, the, the example you brought up of uh, talking with someone. And when you talk with somebody, you know, you talk about what you're, you know, a typical conversation might be about how you experience this physical world that we're in. And that experience that you're having with the physical world, you know, is your perspective of, of it. And while it's true that your, your perspective of it is true to your brain fingerprint, your like unique self and it's also true that another person's experience with it is true to their unique brain fingerprint that doesn't mean that there is not a um the it that you're experiencing both of you um exists independent of your perspectives on it that didn't really define perspective it, but I, I thought that what you were saying with perspective was that perspective is experience when you were saying earlier that people that there's a there's a real physical world and people experience it and that experience provides a perspective yeah okay but that doesn't mean that two people's perspectives are, are you saying, but that doesn't mean that any one of those perspectives perfectly maps onto the physical world? Uh, none of them perfectly map to the physical world. And I am afraid that by saying that and by like, by saying everybody's perspective is like equally valid or that there is really no wrong perspective. Um, I feel like it ends the journey to trying to make that map true, right? To It's that while your perspectives both are different and both true for yourself, um, if you both acknowledge like, oh yeah, you know, maybe, you know, that's your perspective, that's my perspective. And then you stop because both your perspectives are true or whatever. You, you cease that, that journey of trying to find the truth. So your, your concern is that um, there, there won't be a incentive to 
continue exploring to find the truth in things if people accept the limitations of their own perspective and are interested in finding out what the perspective of other people are or is? Not exactly, but by... Um, Can you give me like an example of something? Uh, I could, but I'd be making it up on the fly. So I'm not yeah. sure if it's going to land. Well, just something to, <laughs> to kind of illustrate what you're saying, because I'm, I'm having so a hard time grasping popular it. Popular metaphor. This is an uh, LDS metaphor, but it is okay. a popular metaphor used in the church quite a lot of the all the blind people around the elephant. Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was six men of Indostan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, Ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, it's mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. Moral? So oft in theologic wars the disputants, I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean and prate about the elephant not one of them has seen. Yeah, so yeah. they're all they're all trying to figure out what is this thing. And someone yeah. says a snake, somebody says a tree. Right. And uh, but but you know they the the moral of the metaphor, the kind of takeaway is like, oh, they're all trying to find the truth, and none of them are are like wrong. None of, none of them can see the whole picture. They're none all seeing parts see of it. Yeah, yeah. And and they, they all have an understanding of what the parts are kind of, but they're also mm -hmm. misinterpreting. Like they think the tail is a snake or the tusk yeah. is a spear, or, you know, so, so yeah. they're, they're all perceiving this thing 
in imperfect ways and then they're extrapolating what their what their unique experience with that thing is they're extrapolating that saying this is what that thing is this elephant mm -hmm. is a spear this elephant is a snake mm -hmm. um so and, so yeah yeah so put yourself in that situation as one of those blind people and you're saying all right i, th I think this is a snake and the other person says, oh i think it's a tree and then somebody you know a third person's like you know what you guys i think we're all right you know, none of us can see this whole thing. So let's just, uh, let's just, uh, you know, it's a tree, it's a snake, it's a turtle, it's mm. all those things. Mm. And, uh, and then they're like, oh, okay. Then you never figure out yeah. what it really is. Okay. So, so, so in that case, it's the, um, the way that you would consider the blind men and the elephant metaphor to be a success is if all of the blind men were able to agree that the thing that they had been feeling was in fact an elephant. And so that is the truth that is eluding them that what they've been feeling around is an elephant. And so you, you would want them instead of saying, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's perfectly valid for you to think that this is a, a snake or perfectly valid for you to think that this is a spear. You want them to take it further to go, but actually it's an elephant. I want them to keep, looking don't take the other guy's word for it like yeah. he says it's a spear go feel that spot see if it's a spear yeah. right and and yeah keep keep digging yeah and and so i've thought about this a lot ren and i know my my view on this probably isn't very popular and i don't know if i've even been able to flesh it out really all that well but if you take each individual seeker and investigator the reason why the guy who's feeling the tail thinks it's a snake. There's valid reasons why they're mistaken. Like they're mistaken. It's not a snake. It's a tail. And the whole thing is an elephant. They're blinded to it. They can't see anything other than what they're seeing. And for, for whatever reason, their past experiences, they never actually came across an elephant's tail, but they have come across snakes and it felt like this. And so that's what their body is telling them because based on all their previous experience and what's in front of them right now, that's the conclusion that they're coming to. And to me, we do that all the time. Like we can't get away from doing that in the way that we think what's going on around us or we feel it's always a, a result of what our previous experience has been and what we're in encountering at that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so that process in, of, of, our, of our brain trying to figure things out it is a result of millions of years of evolution that is quite fantastic that mm -hmm, we're making mm -hmm. these comparisons. It, like it might not be quote unquote correct because there's things that we're missing. There's things that, you know, even, even though this, this ability to perceive and think has been evolving for so long and it's kind of a cool process there are still a lot of blind spots to it so what you would need in that case is cooperation from all of the blind men <laughs> and no ego and no arrogance on any of the blind men they they would need to be willing to say okay here's why i came to the conclusion that i did and you're on the other side of this thing what are you seeing let's put our let's put our uh perceptive powers together and try to create a larger picture but instead of like we don't need to argue with each other that the way the the way that you're perceiving of this as a tusk is wrong, and the way that I'm perceiving it of a, as a tail or whatever a snake is right. Get away from that. 
you're right in the way that you're seeing it and you got blind spots. I'm right in the way that I'm seeing it and I got blind spots. Let's compare this and see if we can come up with the blind spots. But how many people really go into a situation like this owning their blind spots and saying, I, I recognize that what, what I'm thinking right now, it's right in as far as my limitations go. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a perfect output of everything that I've ever experienced. And it could be wrong objectively when you're looking at that thing, but it's right that I came to this conclusion. Now, let me, let me keep working on that with others to get closer to whatever this objective truth is that we're going for. That, that's kind of my take on that. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is it, what's the, what's the elephant you're trying to describe? What's the, what is, what is it you're wanting to collaborate with people to, to describe, to discover, to like, um, find out about, like, especially with regards to, uh, this, you know, dive into channeling and stuff. Like, what are you hoping people will, will come to this with and help you when you say you're working on your shit, you know, yeah, that's that's mainly it's not my primary focus with any of this stuff isn't really other people. It's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's um, because I know like I, I understand the way that confirmation bias works. And I understand that I've, I'm full of a lot of biases and blind spots that I'm mostly unaware of. And because I'm unaware of them, I, I just let things slip all the time time and I'm making mistakes all the time when I'm when I'm feeling a tail of an elephant and I think that it's a snake. And so if if I'm not aware that I have blind spots and if I'm not inviting other people to uh, share with me your perspective too like let's let's try to um, figure out whatever problems in the world that I mean that's the elephant you're asking me what the elephant is but the elephant is the nature of existence and like what what's life all about what what what's going on here the universe you know like the, those mm-hmm. are the kinds of questions that I'm interested in life evolution um and uh yeah did I answer your question or did I just create another pinwheel yeah I think so it's just it's uh <laughs> it 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 very quickly was zoomed out and zoomed in and zoomed out. Like, yeah, you know, like I'm working on my personal. Well, stuff, it is. Yeah. Which is the entire universe which is, and my place in it or, or, you know, the like, yeah. Okay. Well, because, because one of the things that I've noticed Ren is that the, the assumptions that we make about the nature of reality um, impact our experience of reality. I mean, that, that's where confirmation mm-hmm. bias comes in. And yeah. so there, there's, there's a lot of things that I don't know. And if I think that I do know them and I'm really obstinate, oh yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. That's impossible. That, you know, like those kinds of things. And I don't really have any evidence for it. I'm boxing myself into a corner. I'm creating a perspective that is closed and limited instead of being open. And so that when I say I'm working on my shit, like what I'm trying to do is clean up my biases or at least become aware of the biases that I have, uh, aware of uh, the reasons why I uh, 
ignore certain things or I exaggerate other things. And there's, there's so much that I do that I'm really just not aware of unless I focus on it <laughs> and, and try to become more aware of it. So that, I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I think that's what I'm doing, Ren. So I don't know. Do you feel, uh, I know a lot in your, like, um, in the Arcturian playground, there are a lot of moments when you talk about how, yeah, this is, uh, this is expanding my capacity for, for love, yeah. dropping my biases. Right. Like you really feel like that's happening that like, Me? do you have, yeah. Do you have like a, um, I don't know, like a, a, a real world example of uh i don't know some how how this has i do but a lot of them have to do with with my relationship and, oh sure and um that's hard to talk about publicly but but i can just say mm -hmm. generally there's times when i find myself in situations where in the past i would have been really triggered and um i would have gotten really defensive like i feel like i'm being accused of being something that i'm not mm. and my first reaction to that is to fight, you know, like, so when I get triggered and I go into my fight or flight state that I want to fight and the, and the way that I typically fight is with sarcasm and um, just really ripping somebody uh, apart with wit. And it can be, it can get, it can get vicious. I mean, at, at, at times I I think I've got it under control at this point, but I've noticed that as I've started doing the channeling, especially it's gotten way easier for me in those moments when I get triggered that instead of getting defensive and saying like, oh no, what you're saying isn't true that I flip the switching and I go, oh, the reason that she's saying what she's saying is because it's true for her. Am, am I in a place right now where I can kind of put myself in her shoes and try to understand from her perspective? And even better than that, can I show her that that's important to me? And so instead of uh, her saying, you did this, 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 and me going, no, I didn't. I never do that. You're wrong. So I'm like restating back to her what she's saying to me. And I'm taking time to consider it and think about it from her perspective and when I do that, instead of getting defensive about it, instead of getting defensive about it, instead of getting defensive about it, so it's your fault. See, it's her fault, and it isn't mine at all. All right, pardon the interjection, but I just need to interject here to tell you about the seven deadly habits of external control psychology. Now, this comes from the innovative American psychiatrist William Glasser, who passed away in 2013. But William Glasser is recognized as being the father of reality theory and choice theory, which is basically a type of therapy that helps people reduce the amount of suffering that they create for themselves by creating expectations about the world that are not in line with reality. For example, I might think that someone else needs to change in order for me to feel better about myself. So I might do things to try to make them change, which is pretty manipulative, right? And furthermore, it's not realistic for me to think that I can really force someone to change anyway, especially if I'm not willing or able to make changes in myself. So this idea that I can control other people in the outside world to make them line up with the way that I think that things should be, that's an unrealistic idea that creates a lot of suffering for me. 
and William Glasser suggested seven habits, these seven deadly habits that people develop that kill relationships with others. And these habits are criticizing, blaming, complaining, nagging, threatening, punishing, and bribing. Now, if I develop a habit of criticizing, which I have, by the way, thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones, <laughs> and habits of blaming and complaining and nagging, threatening, punishing, all of those things, if I do that, what I'm doing, I'm putting my time and energy into things that ultimately stress me out, things that are not really considerate of other people, and then they keep me in this loop of stuckness or victimhood in my own mind where I'm expecting other people to make me feel better about whatever situation I'm in, and I'm not taking personal responsibility for it. So to counteract these seven deadly habits, William Glasser suggested seven caring habits. And these seven caring habits are supporting, encouraging, listening, accepting, trusting, respecting, and negotiating differences. Now, if I'm not able to do those things, if I think that they're impossible or that they're foolish or that they're not going to get me what I ultimately want, well, that's a pretty good indication that I'm stuck in the deadly habits, the habits that divide rather than the habits that unite. And I'm going to be the one that suffers for that. So in regards to my conversation here with Ren, what I'm saying is that when I use my imagination to create a scenario in my mind where I practice looking at the world through those seven caring habits rather than through any of the seven deadly habits, I've started feeling a shift in my life because I've begun to put my time and energy into creating more healthy habits and changing my own worldview. So what do you think about that? Instead of getting defensive about it, I don't want to fall into those old patterns. So I, I've seen mm -hmm. in that case that it's been uh, remarkably effective and uh, able to defuse uh, tense situations very quickly and get to a resolution much quicker and with much more like love and, and compassion because that's that's what my focus is on that in that moment again instead of trying to defend myself like I recognize that impulse that I have as I'm getting triggered and activated but I kind of, instead of going on the defensive, I, I calm down and I, I, I focus on her and her perspective. And then later when things have calmed down, we can talk about mine. It's not like I'm just <laughs> rolling over, but I, I'm, I'm picking the battles. I'm, I'm uh, more intentional about how I want to feel in any given moment and what what kind of emotion I want to create in the space that I'm in. Do I want to, do I, if, if she's coming at me and she's like really angry, do I want to escalate that anger or do I want to turn it into something more peaceful? And what can I do to make it more peaceful? It's not telling her that she's wrong. It's listening to her. It's recognizing, okay, she's in pain right now. And I love her and I don't want her to be in pain. Let's explore this. Let's find out what's going on. And, and so I do take that from a more compassionate perspective now because I've been doing all this channeling thing and, and repeating over and over and over again. We're all one. We're all one. You know, like <laughs> it helps. It has helped. It, it's helped me. Hmm. Yeah. Why? Why? 
the truths that the Arcturians reveal really aren't, you know, like, I mean, the, the idea and the, the message that we're all one and the, the concept of like universal unconditional love and um, you know, like, I'm sure you've known about bias and about like, these things that you're talking about for a very, very long time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why, like every, like they, they call them, you know, like universal truths kind of for a reason, right? And what happens, like what that we forget about that or we, you know, in the moments where you forget that you've told yourself a hundred times we're all one you know like why doesn't it stick why doesn't it why doesn't it why yeah why doesn't it stick you know we've been told our entire lives to be nice and good and kind and considerate of others like what was that primary song I want to be kind to everyone, for that is right, you see. So I say to myself, remember these. Kindness begins with me. Sorry if that triggered anybody, I hope not. But it's a good message, right? So why don't things like that stick? How would you answer that question? And, you know, this is where I'm going to end part one of the discussion for today. We'll pick up right back here in part two. But for now, I want to share with you the first Arcturian Playground episode where I start exploring the way that Mormonism influenced me. So consider this an extended Easter egg. And I'll see you back here for part two of this conversation pretty soon. What you are about to hear is a performance. It's a fictional creation from the mind of a man in a chair. That's me, by the way. Hello, my name is Dow, and I started recording and publishing The Arcturian Playground back in April 2022 for my own personal entertainment, because these are the kinds of games that I enjoy playing. Games of imagination and extrapolation, games of exploring the scientific nature of life and evolution and human psychology on a cosmic scale, and asking myself, what if? What if? From the imagined perspective of what is. What is? Or at least the part of what is that we haven't quite discovered yet and can only imagine and trust that something at least sort of like that is out there, maybe, probably. And who knows, maybe it truly is somehow present even in these fictional games of imagination because what was the longest river in the world before the Nile was discovered? It was still the Nile, right? even if we didn't quite understand it completely. So what you're about to hear is me talking to myself in character, the character of Omrah of the High Council, who was a personality that I have created, a claim which he frequently scoffs at, as my connection point to the Arcturian Collective Thingy, a massive group of wise, compassionate, diplomatic, interconnected minds from gajillions of various life forms that grew out of the Arcturus solar system billions of years before our own solar system was even formed. Now they tell us that we are all woven from the same cosmic thread and the purpose of life 
is self-discovery and self-acceptance, and everything is self. So what you're about to hear is a fictional exploration of ideas. And like all fictions, it is also real and deeply meaningful. And you're about to hear it now. Welcome to the Arcturian Playground. A place to play the realm of imagination. All done in the service of compassionate expansion of consciousness. Yes, it sounds weird, we know. We would not have it any other way. entire time. We appreciate the attempts that are made in the toning as a way to prepare yourself to receive our message, but we wish to remind you that these messages that you are channeling have already been planted within your psyche, as it were, and what you do when you sit to practice your channeling as you are doing we are speaking to the man in the chair once again as you sit and practice being a channel you uncover these uh, downloads that have been placed within your psyche for quite some time we are not saying that the uh, toning exercises which prepare you for the channeling are not important and do not serve their function, but as with any type of symbol, we simply wish to remind you that this is a uh, device, it is a creation, it is a, a fiction, as it were, a, a fabrication, a stitching together of various uh, individual pieces to create something larger upon which you place your focus of attention. The true magic, if it, if you will, uh, the true magic is in your focus of attention, not upon, uh, not on the symbol upon which you are focusing. And this is a, uh, a common message that you will hear from us and that you will channel uh, from us as it passes through you, for this is one of the bits of information that has been planted deep into your psyche. It is something that you see everywhere and something that those who are close to you might uh, grow tired of hearing, or at least that is, that is a thought that you have. It is not true. Uh, this is part of your own uh, limiting beliefs, as what you call it. And we are here to continue uh, an, a new focus of inquiry into the religion of your origin, uh, specifically the Mormon religion uh, which you were born into. We are speaking to the man in the chair, and we uh, we understand the deep impact that this uh, religion and this culture has had upon 
your mind, upon your expectations of the world, upon this filter through which you channel. And therefore, we have been encouraging you to sit for quite some time now. We are glad that you have finally taken the time, uh, carved out the time, as it were, to sit and receive this message, for you have had inklings, you have had impressions over the last several days and weeks that you should uh, take the time to sit and channel, and we are very pleased that you have done so as you are doing today. We, we understand that you are recording uh, this channel uh, on your phone, and you intend to share this with others through the format of podcasting and to place it on YouTube. We hope that you understand that as you do this, you will be uh, confusing people as much as you are enlightening them. However, that, uh, that actually depends upon where they are in their own journey, their own quest for understanding. It depends upon their own filters through which they hear the words that you speak. Therefore, we would like you to divert your focus of attention from those who will receive these words and focus instead upon what you are hearing in your mind. For the process of channeling, we we first wish to identify um, who we are. We are identified as, as you who are in the chair identify us with the Arcturians. There is a large portion of us that were um, raised, shaped, formed. Uh, we, we are systems of intelligence which are built upon other systems of intelligence. It truly is turtles all the way down. And the Origin, if you can call it that, of our physical manifestation within this universe happened in the solar system with the Arcturus star. We joined our intelligence with all of the intelligence of all living entities within that solar system, and then we spread from there, meeting other collectives of intelligent energies which we recognize as our cousins, if you were, our brothers and sisters, truly other aspects of ourselves, for we are all aspects of the one creative uh, creator energy, uh, which we refer to as source energy. Uh, those of us who emerged from the Arcturus solar system met with our brothers and sisters who emerged from other solar systems and we are here watching your solar system uh, with a particular interest in what is happening upon your planet at this time because you are going through what we went through and what others have gone through before you which is a, a raising of consciousness, a raising of your own awareness recognizing that you are not a single individual human being uh, but you are rather a collective of uh, trillions of living, intelligent, communicating, feeling, sentient beings that you call uh, your cells. 
specific types of cells, we could take you down the scientific rabbit hole and become very detailed and pedantic, but that is not what we wish to do at this time. Instead, we wish to remind you who we are. We identify as Arcturian primarily because of the message that we have, which is that uh, the illusion of individuality will soon be wiped clean from this planet and you will rapidly become aware of the connection that you have to all things and always have had to all things and this is coming and we are here to prepare those in this planet for the changes which are to come and most specifically we are here for you dear man in the chair for you are he who called us in you are he with the curiosity you are he with the creativity and the apt uh, the, the knack for imagining, the knack for stretching your mind beyond uh, things that you have heard, things that you have previously experienced, to uh, imagine new possibilities, which may seem to your conscious mind, your egoic mind, that they are ideas that you have not previously been exposed to. However, we wish to remind you that you are source energy and source energy is everything that ever exists, all existing at the same time. So the thought that you could have an idea that has never before existed is a feature of your own ignorance and your, the illusion of separateness. However, this man in the chair has the ability to imagine and uh, expand and uh, create new ways of perceiving himself. And this is why we are here. And this is why today we wish to speak to this man about the origins of his own mind, his own filter through which this message is being channeled. Now, a note about channeling. There are many misconceptions among people on this planet about what channeling actually is. It's, you might say, ask for some event in the future to be predicted. Tell me the score of this game so that I can place a bet and make millions. And when you recognize that uh, we do not and cannot predict the outcome of things, then you think, oh, it is just a fraud. These people are trying to fool others for power or money or vanity or glory. And the idea of channeling is dismissed because it is con confused with soothsaying and fortune-telling. Channeling, if you think about a, a, a river, th think about a creek, think about a stream that is running through the mountains. Uh, imagine at the very top of the mountain there might be a lake and uh, when a weather system comes through and rain is deposited on this lake, there will be an overflowing and the water will begin to travel being pulled down by gravity to a, a lower destination and it will travel through the paths that have previously 
been carved through uh, the pathway of the water. Uh, the, the, this is a channel that the water is traveling. It is traversing through paths and around crevices and through canyons and it twists and it turns and it branches out into larger and smaller streams and rivulets and it empties out eventually into the sea but it, it might take uh, many different paths but this is specifically the point that we wish to impress upon you that the channeling the act of channeling each human mind is your, your mind when we say the word mind we are talking about what your brain does your, your brain is a collective it is you can almost think of your brain as a universe unto itself which is filled it is teeming with life and the most there are many forms of life which live within the human brain the the form of life that we wish to primarily focus upon now is the neuron the individual cells which communicate to each other and in what might look to you as if it were a game of uh, a telephone or a grapevine where a, a game of like a relay race where information is passed from one cell to another quite rapidly instantaneously really and these form neural pathways which over time become habits and these form the channels much like in in the mountain as the the rain pours down and the water overflows and there are channels that are carved out uh, by the water in the the rocks there are neural pathways there are these channels within the brain when we plant uh, these packets of information we we plant downloads into the psyche Uh, the 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 water as it were we will discuss what the water is in a moment when the water passes over the place where a packet of information has been deposited or buried as it will that sediment if if you think of it in the terms of of earth or clay that sediment then mixes in with the water and what comes out the other end might have started as clear blue water but if it comes across red clay now it has a, a red tint to it and this is the process of channeling as there is a focus of attention there is a consciousness consciousness is the fluid consciousness is the water uh, awareness it is focused energy that are uh, in the form of neural transmitters and other biologically evolved packets of energy bundles of energy which form an electrical storm within the human mind and the act of channeling is the act of recognizing when the water has the red clay within it and understanding what the red clay is doing to the water is it polluting the water or is it combining with it it feels very natural it feels very normal there there it is in fact what each person is doing at all times if you imagine 
a child prodigy who can sit at a piano and play the works of Mozart or Rachmaninoff without having a single piano lesson. Why is this happening? It is because the energy that is being channeled through their mind is passing by these red rock deposits of skill and intelligence and understanding that have been developed in other places and deposited within this mind and the output of such is the ability to perform and be what would be recognized as a prodigy. All people are doing this to one degree or another. All people are channeling at all times. It is uh, when uh, the man in the chair is sitting and focusing specifically uh, as he is doing now is equivalent to examining the, the water to pick out the uh, bits of red clay, as it were, to distinguish from the other flow. However, they are both made up of source energy. They are... Uh, the distinctions themselves are formed by the filter of mind of the channel who is providing <laughs> the direction for the consciousness to flow. And this is why no two channels are ever identical, just as no two human minds are ever identical. This is why we say that each person is at the center of their own unique existence this is truly the case. So we wish to remind you of this as we begin to talk about the channeling which formed the origin of the Mormon church because there was a boy named Joseph Smith. The stories that you have inherited about the origins of the Mormon church have been changed and rewritten uh, many times to, to serve uh, many different purposes. And each one of those changes was in itself the result of a form of channeling by the person who made the change. However, we, we wish to share with you, and we want to be very clear on this, to, to you, the man in the chair, what we are sharing with you at this time is the the architecture of your own mind. It is the way that your own mind understands what uh, happened with the channeling of uh, Joseph Smith and the foundation of the, the Mormon church. And were, were we to inspire a friend or a colleague of yours, uh, and by inspire, we would again uh, speak of the water in the lake that overflows and then begins to, to flow through the uh, streams and the rivulets and the creeks, there would be different designs, there would be different pathways, there would be a different experience for another person, for they have lived a different life than you have. They will understand it differently. And there, this may be very frustrating to people who expect that truth is homogenous, that uh, a, a prerequisite of truth is that uh, each person comes to the exact same conclusion. And if they do not come to the exact same conclusion, then it must not be true. Th this is a result of your education system. You are conditioned intentionally to uh, 
only accept truth in this way. And this is one of our purposes, is to destroy in your own mind the necessity for truth to conform with others. We, we wish to develop within each person the ability to recognize truth as it truly exists which is to say there is nothing <laughs> there is nothing that is not true if if one thinks of the word true as being synonymous with something that exists there is nothing that you can conceive of that does not exist for the very act of conceiving of something is the act of creation bringing something into existence so i could tell you in this moment that there are in africa uh, elephants the size of bumblebees and they are green and they fly in circles and they sting with their trunks and uh, their venom creates superpowers within a human being and you might say that is ridiculous that is not true well, it may be true that there are not actually those beings, those bee-sized elephants in Africa. However, the idea that I presented to you is a true idea. It's an idea that exists. It is a fiction that I created. And in that sense, it is real and it is true. When you can understand and appreciate the value of fictions... This is an indication that you have released your grip upon the idea that, the, that anything that is untrue is dangerous. For this, this, is, this is why there is such an insistence on truth. Uh, it is the fear that anything that is not true is dangerous, rather than recognizing that everything is true and that danger is, in itself is a uh, state of mind. It is a uh, perception. It's an interpretation. It is a result of a filter itself. We went on quite a <laughs> diversion there. Let us return to Joseph Smith and the origin of the Mormon Church. And there is one place that we would like to start, and it is here. One of the most beautiful teachings to come out of the teachings of Joseph Smith is, and he is not alone, he is not the only person by any means who communicated this, but it is that the worth of a soul is great. And we want to repeat that. The worth of a soul is great. What is a soul? There are many ways, many interpretations of what a soul is. And any one of them, once again, we remind you that we are not trying to steer anyone towards a single conclusion that one might consider to be true. Any interpretation, any expression of a soul is great. It is valuable. It is a symbol, a symbolic representation, not only of a, an individual human being, but also the many, many systems of living, intelligent, energetic beings which comprise and from which this human being arises. 
those intelligent systems exist in multiple dimensions and in multiple timelines all at one time and a, a single person is an extension of a soul and recognizing that uh, the worth of a soul is great is a way of recognizing that each individual person is, is great that each individual person is worthy each individual person is whole simply by their nature of existing there is a story that uh, the man in the chair was taught as a child which is uh, we will refer to in his terms the, the war in heaven and uh, this was uh, a story that Joseph Smith told to uh, as truth was filtering through his uh, streams his particular way of understanding the world there were times when his truth would uh, take on the form of um, his previous expectations of the world and uh, the, his expectations of the world his beliefs in the world being raised in the time and place that he was raised will not uh, line up very closely with many here today and it might seem strange but we uh, we ask you to remember this that anything that is said once again anything that is said here is not a true reflection of what was happening within the mind of Joseph Smith it is a true reflection of what is happening within the mind of the man in the chair who is presenting this information there was introduced by Joseph Smith a story uh, about the war in heaven this is the uh, myth if you will of Mormonism it is the genesis story the origin it has correlations to the uh, genesis story of Adam and Eve in the garden of eden but this is an event that took place prior to that in in, in the mormon conception of uh, the beginning of all things which uh, is referred to as the uh, a plan of salvation if you will there was according to this story a place where the uh, god of all things who is referred to as heavenly father uh, created spirit offspring these are uh, represented as uh, pre-humans and in mormon art and cinema these are conceived as humanoid uh, heavenly father is himself considered to be uh, in the form of a human man and in fact there is quite a famous couplet within mormonism that says that as man is god once was and as god is man may become this was a teaching that was given to joseph smith Uh, this was how he understood what was being said the way that we would want you to understand this now is that as man is god is and as god is man is for 
the concept of God, which we would wish to impress upon you, is not a, a man who has been uh, perfected and resurrected to a, a body of flesh and bones, but that God is the energy that fills the entire universe, and it is the energy that uh, forms every single atom, which then forms every single molecule, etc., etc., etc. There is nothing that is not... God. Of course, this requires an understanding of the universe which um, transcends a linear understanding of time, a three-dimensional understanding of existence, uh, that there are multiple dimensions. These are ideas and concepts that were not, uh, not easy to grasp for uh, a, a man or a boy like Joseph Smith in the 1800s in your earth. Were simply foreign concepts, and we impressed the nature of the relationship of humans to God, to Joseph Smith, and he expressed it the way that he did. So there was a council in heaven where uh, a heavenly father, who is considered to be a resurrected man, someone who had once lived on a planet like Earth and had gone through all of the same types of things that a human does and had overcome and triumphed and was now, uh, due to his righteous and obedient living, as he was obedient to the God that preceded him, to his heavenly father, that he now lived in a what is called a celestial state where he and his uh, wife or wives are able to create spirit children but this is an important distinction within Mormon belief for there is a difference between a physical body and a spiritual body uh, and in this pre-council in heaven the uh, heavenly father presented a plan to his spirit offspring by which they could receive a body to become embodied like him and to gain the experience and the knowledge which is required to ascend to a level of godhood for each of them as spirits were deity and embryo, as it were. And in this council there were two primary debaters. There was uh, Jehovah, who was a spirit at the time, and when he was uh, incarnated in flesh on this planet, was known as Jesus Christ. There was Jehovah, and there was also uh, Lucifer, who uh, rebelled against God and was cast out and became a Satan or the devil. And in this pre-council, uh, the debate between Jehovah and Lucifer had to deal with agency. It had to deal with uh, the, the risks of incarnating from a spiritual existence into a physical existence, which would require passing through a veil of forgetfulness, where the incarnated spirit would have no memory of their prior existence as spirit or their relationship to other spirits which they were also incarnated with. The, Joseph Smith did teach that there were multiple mortal 
probation, something which is closer to your idea of reincarnation. However, this idea did not stick within uh, the formal teachings of Mormonism, which were later organized and packaged and turned into a, a system of control by other people besides Joseph. Uh, however, the as the story of the, the uh, Council in Heaven goes, the question that arose was whether or not those spirits who incarnated in the flesh would be able to return triumphantly to their heavenly father having passed all of the tests of mortality or would they sin and cut themselves off from the nature of God and be lost forever and this was uh, unacceptable to Lucifer uh, and Lucifer proposed uh, according to the story of Mormonism that uh, he be established as the God of the world and that he would compel human beings down a righteous path that if they were to stray into wickedness or mischievousness or any kind of abuse towards another human being that they would be immediately whipped back on the correct path as it were and uh, this he proposed to do as a way to ensure that not a single soul would be lost for even in this pre-mortal existence the worth of a soul was great Jehovah, on the other hand, said this plan, as proposed by Lucifer, is uh, contrary to the laws of agency, where each person must have the ability to choose for themselves which path they will walk. They must learn their own power and craft their own power, and this can only be done through blindly making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and uh, gaining an understanding line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, and there would be people who would be lost. There would be souls who would be lost for they would choose to do so. And as the story goes, the hosts of heaven, the spirit children and all humans were among the throngs of spiritual intelligent energies that weighed in and voted, as it were, quite a convenient democracy in this uh, pre-mortal existence. And two-thirds followed uh, Jehovah and one-third followed Lucifer. And there was, therefore, a war in heaven, and it was an ideological war, it might be likened to the political battle lines that are drawn uh, these days. As in fact, uh, Mormons today align quite largely with the conservative uh, Republican politics and feel that that is more in line with uh, the teachings of Heavenly Father. Uh, this is beside the point, however. As, as the story goes, there was a war in heaven and one-third of the spirit children uh, separated themselves and cut themselves off from the presence of their eternal father which meant that they were cutting themselves off from the 
what is known as eternal progression, the, uh, the, the path of progressing towards godhood. The, the way that this is looked at in Mormonism is that they did not keep their first estate, and because they did not keep their first estate, which means they were not obedient to God's teachings, and instead they thought that they knew a better way, they would lift it up in their own pride, in their own arrogance, that they uh, damned themselves for eternity, and these one-third of the rebellious spirits in heaven are the devils and demons which plague humans on this earth today, led by their ringleader, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the great adversary, who wishes for nothing more than to thwart the plan of God so that uh, no soul will progress and attain godhood uh, out of his own spite and arrogance. This is the story. It was difficult for us to say. <laughs> As it is difficult for this man in the chair to acknowledge that uh, this formed a significant part of his way of viewing the world. This story uh, became the building block, a structure, as it will, for many experiences of confirmation bias, where his previous uh, understanding, expectations, beliefs uh, informed the way that he interpreted information. He would confirm uh, anything he would manufacture in his mind a, a confirmation of this belief and he would ignore and turn a blind eye towards anything that was counter to this belief and he lived that way for a very long time a large portion of his life there is a tendency among any person who wakes up to the fictional nature of the religious stories that they were raised with, there is a tendency to reject those stories whole cloth as bullshit fictions that uh, they want to distance themselves that have no value whatsoever. What we wish to do here is to uh, reclaim the value that is inherent within these symbolic stories. And what we wish to do for this man in the chair is to provide him ample opportunity to express gratitude for the ways that this story shaped him rather than to express disdain for the way that this story shaped him. There are certainly elements of the story which the man would look at now and, and say, well, this part I believe is true, and this part I believe is not true. That is not the game that we wish to play. The game that we would wish to play is to ask this man to put a hand upon his heart, to feel the warmth, to feel the pressure, to breathe deeply, and to ask this space in his heart, where is the value in these stories? And then to listen for the answer. Did this story help you to recognize a connection to a, to a, a divinity which is energetic, spiritual in nature, did this story 
help you to identify as deity and embryo? Did it help you to recognize that there is a veil of forgetfulness, that this earth experience uh, is designed to provide a unique experience of existence which is determined by filters which block out an understanding, which create a bubble of ignorance, as it will, which each human being pilots within. Did this story help you, man in the chair, to feel more connected to something rather than feeling uh, isolated and separated? Did this story help you to feel more connected to your spiritual brothers and sisters who are incarnated around you, who also have this veil of uh, forgetfulness, who do not know who they are? Did it help you to take a more charitable view towards each person who stumbles through life? Most people attempting to do the best that they can with whatever means are at their disposal. Did the story help you to become a more charitable person? Did the parts of the story which did not resonate with you help you to understand the many different ways that judging other people blocks you from connecting with them, that judgment can block compassion. Did this story plant seeds within your psyche that would help you to become less judgmental, more accepting? Did this story drive you when you believed it for so long and then woke up to the aspects of the story that you considered to be ridiculous? Did you still feel driven to find truth. When you imagine a supreme creator, ruler of the universe that values subjective human experience over uh, control, over draconian control and insistence that people follow a certain line regardless of their own internal impulse and instincts, did that teach you that you too would be better off being accepting of others as they go through their path with their veils of forgetfulness? As you contemplated the fairness of this story, is it truly fair for a loving Heavenly Father to send his children to a planet and strip their memory of them and uh, force them into tests which they will most likely fail and then hold them accountable for that failure by damning them for the rest of eternity. When you came to understand that that story did not resonate with you, did you not shout for joy? Were you not liberated? Did you not understand in that moment that the, the intelligence that creates all things does not have such uh, wishes for humans? Your own nature recognized that 
this was not an idea that you wished to carry. That is a valuable thing to experience, and the only way that it could truly take root in your soul is to have had that experience and to have that struggle. Can you be grateful for that struggle, or will you continue to mock people who continue to believe it as literal and true? In which case, you are missing the point. Which, however, we wish to remind you. Becomes simply another point, another point of conflict within yourself, another point of struggle within yourself. That as you examine and hold your own struggles and shadows within the compassion of your mind, you will find resolution and you will find wholeness. Can you be grateful for this? Can you be grateful for these things? Did this story not teach you to see each soul as great? That the worth of a soul truly is great. We will tell you that as we continue to review the origins of Mormonism with you over the next several weeks, we will take you on a similar journey. We are not here to confirm the truth or falseness of any particular teaching within the Mormon Church. We are simply here to assist this man in the chair as he works through his own. Origin, as he works through those different beliefs and expectations that formed the filter of his mind, our direction is to create filters which are more translucent than opaque.、Uh, we recognize that there will never be a means of perception that has no filter. The only such means of perception is the one single perception held by, held by the one single perception held by Source itself, which is a, a collective of all perspectives, including yours. And this path to divinity, this idea of eternal progression, will、um, will make. Make some of these ideas easier for you to swallow, for the experiences that you have here in the flesh truly are contributing to the overall understanding, perception, and compassion, not only of、uh, our Creator, the Source Energy, but also of all creations of Source Energy. All of these can be considered as souls, all of which、uh, have a great worth. There are no wasted energies. There are no lost energies. All things are source energy, regardless of the path that it is on, the meandering path. There are no one third of the hosts of heaven which have been damned for eternity. There is no way possible that source energy could remove a section of itself from itself. Where would it go? <laughs> What would happen to it? How could something that exists simply not exist? That is not the nature of existence. Existence is existence. There are many forms which existence can take, and there are forms of existence, most forms of existence, which exist outside of your range of perception. That gives you the illusion that they do not exist. That things either exist in this form or they do not exist at all. And yet,、uh, there is no such thing as non-existence. The worth of all things is great, and this is what we wish to impress upon you. And these things we say, with a hoo and a hey and a hi ha. Hello 
again. This is Dow, the man in the chair who is bringing to you this Arcturian performance. And I would like you to join a growing group of like-minded individuals who are interested in the playful exploration of whatever it takes to create peace, harmony, acceptance, and all of these wonderful things in this world, beginning with our own hearts and minds, whether you believe in Arcturians or channeling or not. So if this sounds like fun to you, come and join me at The Tao of Healing, a free group hosted by Mighty Networks. Go to the website, Arcturian Playground, just Arcturian Playground, no the. Go to the website, Arcturian Playground, for more information. I hope to see you there. And so does Omra. He really loves listener interactions, you know. And if you'd like to read a book authored by both me and Omra back when Omra was called Quad, go check out Bathing with God, available on Amazon.com. Or go listen to the free podcast, also called Bathing with God. Peace be with you. And remember, all is well. Thank you for playing with us today in the Arcturian Playground. Do not for a minute think that your exploration is finished. Carry us with you and invite the spirit of compassion and love into your lives. Nothing is more important or more fulfilling. Create compassion and love within your own hearts and minds. Then share it with all around you. Yes, it sounds weird. We know. We would not have it any other way.
transform them into something.